Welcome to Musicians vs. the World. If you have been following this podcast, you may have noticed a theme running throughout the majority of the interviews. Now, this has not been intentional on my part by any means, but as I interview more and more musicians, though their stories and details are all different, most of them have one thing in common. For the vast majority of them, being a musician is just as much about the human connection as it is about connecting with the music. The difficult life of a musician is worth it to them because music is the medium that they use to find their voice, express themselves, and connect with others on a deep emotional level. Today's guest takes this musical human connection a step further by actively helping other people to also feel this connectedness and togetherness through music. Not only is he dedicated to performing music of the highest caliber, but he is also committed to bringing along as many people as possible as he does it by constantly looking forward to the future of concerts and performance. My guest today is Grant Gershon, the Kiki and David Gindler Artistic Director of the Los Angeles Master Chorale, which happens to be the largest fully professional choral ensemble in the U.S., They have toured throughout the world, made numerous recordings, and were inducted into the Classical Music Hall of Fame in 2017. He took a moment to speak with me about making connections through music, as well as offering invaluable advice to new musicians. His passion and knowledge of music is inspiring, and I hope that you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Grant. Oh, Christine, it's great to be with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Before we get started with our conversation, would you mind taking a minute just to talk about your own musical background and how you ended up where you are? Uh, sure. So the the short version of it is, you know, I started out life as a pianist. Um, my mom was a piano teacher. Um, I was a piano major in college, but I always loved singing in choirs. And, um, and so I was a total choral geek in high school and in college. And um, after I graduated college, I was working as a pianist and I started getting into opera as a vocal coach and pianist. I never really had any aspirations towards conducting. Uh, It just seemed to kind of, um, I started to morph after a while, um, sitting at the keyboard in rehearsals and my arms would start to raise up. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually they were waving around in the air. Um, (laughs) So, um, I was in LA, um, from LA originally, and I became friends with Esa Pekka Salonen, um, when he became music director of the LA Philharmonic in the nineties. And he basically became like a mentor to me and, um, and brought me on as assistant conductor at the LA Phil. And then, uh, my wife and I moved to New York for a little while. Um, but uh, I always, uh, maintained this love of choral music, even though I wasn't really involved in it for about 20 years or so. Uh, but then this position at the LA Master Chorale opened up around the year 2000. And, um, uh, and I was encouraged to go ahead and apply. And I did. And lo and behold, they selected me to, be their next artistic director in in the year 2001. And so I came into this amazing situation. Uh, As you said, it's the nation's largest fully professional choral organization. And at that point, Disney Hall in Los Angeles was finally being built after being talked about for years and years and years. And, Mm -hmm. um, And it was decided that the LA Master Chorale, along with the LA Philharmonic, uh, we would be the two resident companies in the concert hall. And so we have a close relationship with the 
Ellie Phil, but we also have our own independent concert series as well. So it's allowed us to explore the full range of choral music from, you know, medieval chant and, and before all the way up to a lot of commissioning of new pieces and being more and more experimental in our, um, in our presentations. Uh, we have a fantastic audience in Los Angeles that seems to be um, hungry for adventurous, progressive programming and music making. And I, I credit Essa Pekasalanen and Gustavo Dudamel, uh, who's now the artistic director at the LA Philharmonic, and a whole community of musicians who have really helped to, I think, redefine what music can be in Los Angeles. So it's just a great place to be. Sorry to sound like a civic booster, but the weather, <laughs> the, the weather doesn't suck either. So, you know, all in all, well, yes, I'm, that probably is. I'm really happy. <laughs> well, that is really, that's great that the audience is so willing to listen to experimental and new things. That's fantastic. I, you know, I really think it's, you know, it's something that we don't take for granted here in Los Angeles. And, um, and, you know, I mean, it's, you have to maintain a level of trust mm-hmm. with your audience. And it's something that we talk about a lot internally at our organization is making sure that when you start to market a season or market a concert, uh, that you're really being truthful and careful about describing what the experience will be for the audience. And, And as you establish and maintain that level of trust and kind of maintaining the promise as well, that whatever you do will be done at the highest artistic level that, um, Mm -hmm. uh, that you're really focused on the integrity of the music making. Um, Mm -hmm. when you have all those things in place, you really do garner that long-term sense of support and you pave the way for, bringing in different audiences and um, and new audiences to the concert hall all the time. And it's, of course, those are the things that, that all of us in the performing arts are focused on. It's true. We're always trying to find a way to reach out to new audiences and, and new generations of people to really get them in and have them see the glory of the music that we can make together. Yeah, that, yeah that's right. And, you know, I feel like in, in choral music, in some ways, we have some advantages over our brethren and sistren in the <laughs> instrumental world uh, because, you know, so many people have the the hands-on experience of singing in a choir, you know, whether it was in high school or college or community choirs or church choirs or temple um, or at football games, you know, right. in the, in no, the stands. you know, that, yes. that sense of, of community and of shared experience through singing is really powerful. And, uh, yes. you know, Chorus America did um, a survey with the results published just last year. And they found that, uh, that in the States, something like 40 million people are currently singing in some sort of a choir. And when you consider that's, wow. that's, you know, um, over 10% of the entire population, that's an enormous amount of people. And so as a choral organization looking for audience and looking for connection, you know, we have very low hanging fruit in the community of singers, um, Mm -hmm. around, uh, uh, around Los Angeles and, and for our organization more and more internationally as well through, Mm -hmm. through recording and touring. That's true. So how do you plan your concerts or advertise them so that those people that are singing in their church choir or they're singing in their school choir, then transfer that to, oh, let's go and watch this world premiere yeah, with the LA yeah. Master Crowd. Well, part of it for us has been about forging real connections um, through singing. So 
Specifically, we started an, an initiative uh, about five years ago now that, that we call the Big Sing. Essentially, what it is, is reaching out to all of the entire choral community in Los Angeles and inviting them into Disney Hall for a day of singing together as a group. Um, Eric Whitaker, who course is quite well known in the the Mm -hmm. choral community uh, has been our artist in residence for the last four years and uh, and eric helped us to spearhead this initiative and it's been fantastically successful because again you know there's there's just nothing like that feeling of being in a concert hall in 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 a vast space filled with singers and um, where all of the barriers that separate us, um, whether it's geographic or demographic or socioeconomic or whatever, they're all erased. And we're simply sopranos, altos, tenors, and basses and creating a community together. So, so with the LA Master Chorale, we've then forged these relationships through singing and through inviting people into our home space um, mm-hmm. that uh, that allows us then to kind of go the next step and have them uh, returning for our own concerts and, and having special events before and after concerts that are specifically for singers and and for choirs um Mm. and it's been it's been really successful the other aspect of community singing that's been really key for us is our uh, high school choir festival which unlike a lot of similar festivals is not a competition Mm. and it's not adjudicated it is based on the big sing model where essentially we have um uh, up to 30 different high school choirs from all over the Los Angeles area come into Disney Hall and sing as one giant mass choir. You know, we work with the directors uh, over the course of the year on the repertoire that we're all going to sing together. We work with the with the individual choirs. We send out professional singers from the master chorale in quartets to do sectionals and to Ooh, do workshops okay. and to answer questions and just create a dialogue and create again you know, real relationships with um, with the students, with the directors, and with those schools, so that the festival itself is just, is this giant celebration of community and of singing together, and it builds the also the awareness of what an amazing space Disney Concert Hall is and how great it is to <laughs> not only to, to see music in there, but to make music in there. And so that also has been one of the things that, that long-term has helped us to reach new audiences and to, again, to reach them through real relationships. Right. So you've kind of smashed through the whole barrier of audience and performer. You've kind of just made it into a family and you just go and you celebrate music together. Yeah, that's, that's totally right. We talk about that a lot, about the, the aspect of choral music that is community, that's, that's the sense of family, the sense of belonging, um, the sense of creating a space where every voice can be heard. Um, and we're all there for a shared purpose. And of course, the, the music then that we focus on, both in the Big Sing and in the High School Choir Festival, um, is as representative as possible, that uh, that we sing in as many different languages uh, as mm-hmm. possible, that, that we have composers and traditions that are representative of all the different communities that make up Los Angeles. 
that we also focus on music that that really speaks to the singers, whether they're high school students or whether they're you know grown ups or their parents. Um, you know, so um, I'm just thinking about the last festival. We ended with an amazing arrangement of "Bridge Over Troubled Water," um, and I think we started with "Lean on Me." Um, so, in addition to kind of traditional choral music of you know Morton Lauritsen or or Brahms or or Mozart, that we also have music that has a message that people uh, can strongly identify with. And the high school choir festival coming up later this spring. We have a great arrangement of "A Change Is Going to Come." Um, mm-hmm. Another of "Freedom Train." Um, the South African freedom song of apartheid, mm-hmm. just a fantastic arrangement as well of, of let the river run. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so again, it's, it's music that um, we can have real ownership of kind of no matter where we are, you know, where we're coming from in our own lives and uh, you know, in our own communities. So again, it's, it's that sense of choral singing as um as creating a sense of belongingness. And I don't know, I, you know, we all are feeling very much right now and all around the country that this, you know, the divisions are so strong yes. and, uh, and the mm-hmm. micro divisions as well, you know, getting away from, right. you know, red versus blue or whatever. Um, you know, there's just a lot going on right, um, right now that, that we feel like singing together can, can help to bridge. So, it, so it feels really good to be doing this. That's good. Well, no, it is true. They've done study after study about how music can create a sense of us and it and that shared experience and the shared emotional experience mixed with the music can make friends out of people who maybe wouldn't be friends otherwise. Yeah. And then they get to realize, oh, we are the same. We're people. Yeah, yeah. For real. That's it's, beautiful. Yeah. And it's just, it's so important. I mean, it's so much a part of our mission as artists and as musicians, I mean, more so now than, than ever before. Yeah. I love that. So then they come to your concerts and they see you doing um, a Renaissance piece with music and dancing. And <laughs> I was just looking at a video of your, um, oh, the, it, La the, yeah, La de San Pietro? exactly. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Oh. I thought that was so amazing. Oh, thank you. I'm so proud of this project. In fact, um, as we speak right now, we're getting ready to head to Auckland, New Zealand for the Auckland music festival, uh, to give a performance of Lagrimé de San Pietro there. And then we'll later this month, we're, um, in um, Seattle and Iowa City. We were in Montreal and Toronto in January, which was very chilly for us, Angelinos. <laughs> but this, it, it, if I could just say a word about this project, because to Please me, it's do. emblematic of, of the way that we're trying to reconceive the concert experience and our connection to the music. So Lagrime di San Pietro is this incredibly beautiful and powerful piece from the Renaissance. It's by Orlando de Lasso, um, one of the great composers of the period. And it was the, the last thing that he wrote. Um, mm-hmm. He finished it three weeks before before he died. And he knew it was the last thing that mm-hmm. uh, that he was going to finish. And that it would be his essentially his last will and testament. And he poured everything into this piece. Um, it's one of the largest scale works of the renaissance it's 21 individual movements for seven um Mm, mm -hmm. for seven part um ensemble 
um, and the piece itself is divided into three parts. Uh, we perform it with three singers on a part, so okay. 21 singers, 21 movements, um, seven individual parts. The numerology of the piece is very, very powerful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right that's not bat. subtle at all, is right. it? <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot going on there. Um, and so we asked the stage director, Peter Sellers, the, uh, somebody I have a long relationship with, to stage the piece for us with the idea that that the singers would literally embody the music and the poetry and that that we would utilize the staging in essence to unlock the music and what peter has done and what the what the 21 singers have accomplished together I just think it's absolutely extraordinary. We've been performing it um, all over the world. We were at the Salzburg Festival this last summer. Um, we were the only American ensemble, choral or orchestral, mm. to be invited to the festival, um, which we were very proud of, of course. And wow. um, mm-hmm. and the, the, the experience of this piece is very powerful because the material itself, I mean, this sounds like not exactly like the best marketing ploy, but uh, it's about shame and grief and remorse. Mm -hmm. It's about growing old. Um, It's about basically losing touch with the things that were the most important to us in our lives and somehow finding a way to regain that. Um, So, you know, specifically the piece is is about um, St. Peter and and his remorse over having betrayed Jesus and and being haunted by that through the rest of his life. Uh, and the music that Orlando has set these words to is so extraordinarily radiant and beautiful and, and deeply felt. Um, it's it's the experience of, of performing it is absolutely overwhelming. I mean, we're all in tears um, at, at the end of every performance. Um, and it, it's, it's really, it's, it's hard to describe, except to say that the, that the commitment that the 21 singers um, have to each other and to this work, first off, to memorize um, almost an hour and a half of a cappella Renaissance music in archaic Italian um, is, is, you know, absolutely, you know, un, you know it's, it's just unimaginable. He talks a lot about the look of, from Jesus's eyes when they, when they, made eye contact um, in the garden and that look um, haunts him for the rest of his life. So there are various madrigals that talk about the power of, uh, that goes so far beyond words of two eyes connecting. Um, and uh, anyways, the, the piece is, is very, very emotional and, um, and it asks for so much from the singers. And that in a sense is, is, at the LA Master Chorale, what we're really exploring is how to break down the rigidity of the concert experience, um, mm-hmm. so that so that it's not just a phalanx of singers on risers facing facing straight out, but that the music making can mirror the fluidity and um, and the beauty and the sense of constant movement that is in the music itself. And, you know, it's, it's easy for something like that to become 
cliche or gimmicky or just feel like, Uh um, uh, like choreography that's not connected, um, in a real spiritual way. And so working with Peter Sellers has been, you know, he has such a gift for unlocking the meaning of the music. So, you know, it's interesting with this project, we had something like 24 rehearsals before we performed it for the first time. And most Uh people would think that a lot of those rehearsals were uh, about the staging because of course for singers, staging is, takes a little more brain power, but actually the majority of the rehearsals were really about dissecting the meaning of, of, every phrase of the music and the the spiritual and the moral implications of every phrase of the poetry um and then exploring what that what that would sound like um and how that would translate into sound and then it was only at that point that the movement would start to evolve as well so it was a very organic approach and um yeah and it shows in your performers and your singers in their faces and in their in their movements, you can tell it's not just choreography, that they're actually connecting with it in a very, very real way. Yeah, I think that's really true. Thank you. And, uh, and it also reflects in the sound of it, too. I mean, it, it's, I feel like we could not sing this music the way that we do it if we hadn't staged it. And as I say, kind of literally embodied the phrases. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's mm-hmm. been a really great experience. Yeah, I would think so, because people think renaissance madrigals it's so far in the distant past that it's kind of hard to see a human side to it if you're just standing there but then if you stage it with a really organic and real true genuine emotion with your singers it really is a powerful powerful experience so it's really i was so impressed by that oh that's great you know i really think of it as a as an act of devotion i think the you know orlando writing the piece itself was that and then what the singers bring to it feels that way it's it's not a performance um it's Mm -hmm. it's something a lot deeper and and so then you know we try to connect that experience with everything that we do um whether you know whether or not it's it's um it's literally staged but everything has that level of commitment and and Mm -hmm. focus on communication Mm -hmm. well obviously you can't do that type of staging with a large grand piece with a full orchestra. There's just not space for that. For real. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How do you still get that same intensity and that same honesty out of your performers when you're doing like the traditional staging? Well, you know, it's something that I've always really prioritized. And I think the, the group of singers that we have in Los Angeles now is also really focused on the directness of the communication. So, so that, I mean, they make an amazing sound, of course. I mean, it's it's a hundred professional singers from all over the country um, mm-hmm. that uh, that are based in Los Angeles now with the LA Master Chorale. But but it's not about making beautiful sounds just because that's nice and and don't we sound pretty? Um, but it's really mm-hmm. about what is the music really trying to say? You know, if we're doing a Brahms Requiem, why did Brahms choose? these particular passages um from from the bible rather than the rather than the liturgy you know he was feeling the grief and and the sense of loss from losing his own mother um Mm -hmm. we all carry these people with us that are close to our hearts that's what a piece like the Brahms Requiem is asking us to bring forth is that love and those connections. And, uh, and so 
when we sing it, it's with these people in our hearts. And that's what the music is communicating. So, and that, Mm -hmm. of course, when you have that as the underpinning of your connection to the piece, that's a completely different kind of performance than if you're just thinking about nothing but making, you know, this phrase very beautiful and that phrase very beautiful and uh-huh. tuning this chord just right and balancing with the orchestra. And, you know, it's, it's those things, yes, <laughs> but it's so mm-hmm. much, ideally, it's so much deeper and, and more connected than that. Right. And that's the way to have the true musical experience with your, with your audience, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So this summer, you're going to be working in New York, the um, Pro Musica Choral Festival there as well. So that's very exciting. Are you going to be doing the same type of teaching there or what are you going to be doing there? You know, I'm so happy about about this festival um, through Pro Musica that uh, that he and they have taken this idea of building a community of singers together. So we'll have singers coming from all over the United States and Canada, high school age students who are bringing the experience that they have with um, with their own communities, with their own choirs, um, in their high school ensembles and in their youth choir organizations, bringing them together to, again, create over a hundred voices of experience and sense of individuality coming together and creating this giant massed choir. So, um, so we've chosen music that again is uh, has many different languages, many different traditions, um, so that the students can um, can really inhabit the music with a sense of ownership and a sense of discovery. Um, mm-hmm. This is the first of uh, this kind of festival that we know of in this area. And uh, and so we're really excited about the possibilities. Um, you know, it's interesting. I My own experience, as I mentioned earlier, I was a choir geek um, in <laughs> high school. And after my freshman year of high school, I went to a music camp in the mountains near Los Angeles. And uh, it was 120 kids in this two-week program. And we learned and performed the Mozart Requiem in those two mm. weeks. And uh, and that was the experience that completely changed my life. It, it was from that that I knew that I had to have a life in music. And I knew that all of my closest friends and the people that, that I would spend my life with were going to be musicians. And uh, it was just, it was such a, a powerful life-changing experience for me. Um, I'm really eager through this festival to be able to share that and pay, and pay it forward. Mm-hmm. It's for the next generation, for yeah. sure. So I'm guessing that if you knew back then what you know now, you would still go into music then probably. You know, I, I think it would. I mean, it, I, I think I would. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, going into music is not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, there's, there's a, it's a roller coaster, but, uh, the rewards that you get both from the musical experience itself, but even more so from the, from the connections to people that you make, um, and the bonds that, that you make with, with your fellow artists, um, there's just, there's no substitute for that. And, uh, you know, I really feel like with these high school kids coming this summer, whether or not they go into a career in music, this is something that they can take with them for the rest of their lives. And hopefully they'll keep singing for the rest of their lives because, you know, singing just, it, it never lets you down. 
um, singing in an ensemble, singing with a group. It's something that always lifts us up. And, um, and if we can inspire that lifetime commitment to singing, that's a really, really beautiful and powerful thing. I love that. That's wonderful. So my last question for you, Grant, for that listener that is listening to you and is caught up in it is like, yes, I want to do what Grant is doing. What advice would you give to them? Um, You know, I I suppose my advice is just whatever you do in music, do it with your whole heart and do it with complete commitment. And it's easy to say, um, of course, but, you know, I remember when I was in when I was in college and and right beyond college, you can get really busy. Um, There's a lot of gigs coming in. It can be a scramble to stay on top of everything. You've got your own recitals. You've got the things you're doing to make money. Um, you've, You've got, you know, just like a whole variety of things going on. Everything that you do needs the utmost commitment. Um, First off, because everything you do is contributing to who you become as an artist, but also just in terms of career, you never know which gig it is that's going to open some crazy door that you never even imagined. Um, Just really briefly for myself, I was playing cocktail lounge piano at a hotel in Beverly Hills a couple nights a week when I was in school. One day I got a call out of the blue to come to a taping of The Tonight Show. And that was back in the Jay Leno days. And uh, it was somebody who, you know, just heard me tinkling the ivories, you know, at this, uh, at this hotel, they invited me in and um, it turned out they, they had the soprano Kiri Takanawa was in town and she was going to sing an aria on the tonight show. And so they Uh asked me to be the pianist for it. I played for, I played for Kiri that night. Um, (laughs) We hit it off. um, And then we ended up doing three different recital tours together. I really, Literally, I met Nelson Mandela oh my goodness. Uh, uh, one year after he became president of wow. South Africa. We did a benefit concert for his children's fund, um, this wonderful charity that he had just started. And so all of that came from this kind of stupid hotel gig that you know, like just, just yeah. Um, so you just, you never know do your best, be your best at all times, be as inspired as you can possibly be, do the work, uh, be a great colleague, build relationships, and just make music that pushes you to the to the highest level. You know, that's what you want to take away throughout your entire life and beyond. Thank you. <laughs> that is wonderful advice and a wonderful story. My yeah, goodness. You, know, you just never know. Story. You just never know. <laughs> it's this you, business. Really, you really don't. Well, thank you so much, Grant Gershon, for being here and speaking with us today. I've truly enjoyed talking with you. Total pleasure. Thanks. Musicians vs. the World is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. This episode was hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith, and produced by Russ Wilkes. A very special thanks to Grant Gershon for sharing his time and expertise with us today. The music you're listening to now is Oh, What a Beautiful City, arranged by Sean Kirchner. In today's podcast, you've also heard selections from Orlando DeLasso's Lagrime de San Pietro and Rachmaninoff's All Night Vigil. All of these were performed by the L.A. Master Chorale, led by Grant Gershon. You have also heard selections performed by students at the L.A. Master Chorale High School Choir Festivals. You can find out more about the Los Angeles Master Chorale, their upcoming concerts, and their educational outreach programs on their website, lamasterchorale.org. 
If you're interested in working with Grant and the other amazing conductors and clinicians at the Pro Musica International Choral Festival, you can find more information about that at promusicafestival.org. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss out on any future conversations. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss, come chat with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or send us an email at info at Thanks so much.